You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 158 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Good evening. And Andy. Hello, hello, hello. On this week's show, Jay, I believe you've been taking some vows. Uh, upholding the honour of the Emperor. <laughs> uh, if you hadn't have guessed and, and hadn't seen all over the internet, the Black Templars are here and up for pre-order. Uh, and Jay has very luckily, thanks to Games Workshop, um, received a copy of the new launch box. So he's going to be talking us through um, some of the key fancy bits from the codex and the launch box um you have very kindly done us a full written review over on the website jay i believe yeah that's right so there's a written review up as normal and uh, matt's did did a quick uh, flick through the codex on the youtube channel as well and the contents of the um, army set all the sprues and whatnot so we'll make sure those links are in the podcast notes so you can check those out at your leisure but we will be talking about the book a little bit later on in the show now we were it's quite inspired by the codex art um on the black templars limited edition codex so for this week's top three we're looking for well matt i'll let you explain what our top three is this week yeah so so top three uh pieces of cover art from books and boxed games so obviously there's been a lot of um you know iconic cover art like we see you get on the cover of the black templar limited edition recreating that third edition warhammer 40,000 cover art so yeah we want to know your top three from across the ages excellent uh, and then as normal we're going to be talking about all the latest warhammer news and we'll be reading out the community top three or as many as we can towards the end of this week's show before we get stuck into all of that though let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week i'm gonna start us off this week because i've been incredibly boring um, because i've not been 100 percent, and unfortunately yeah papa nurgle's decided to pay me another visit um, which has prevented me really from picking up a paintbrush because I've been too busy sneezing and coughing. Um, so my hobby output has been quite slim. I do think I have done some on my Void Dragon since the last recording. Um, he's looking pretty sweet, if I do say so myself. Um, I can't wait to get him finished. I, I'd hope to have finished him um, by this week's podcast. Um, he's still got a lot of his energy swirls to do. I've got a do some highlighting on the, the various bits of building that are floating around him. Um, and Matt gave me a great idea for the sort of gem in his face, um, which needs to be finished off as well. So hopefully I'll, I'll start to feel a bit more normal uh, and I'll be able to get him finished this week. Um, I've also got a few more Necrons lined up to paint. Uh, I think I've settled on a list for the 1,250-point tournament we've got coming up in November, um, but it does mean I need to paint a unit of Scorpec Destroyers or free Scorpec Destroyers and their little plasma site buddy. Um, and I also have, um, sprayed and ready to go, some Space Marines from Imperium and ones that I had lying around because um, I want to get those painted um but unfortunately i am saying goodbye to my tone keepers um oh. very very short-lived project because if i was honest with myself there was only one space marine in adverted commas chapter that i wanted to do and that was the death watch um but what i've decided to do um and i have have sort of reached out to the the wider death watch community to see if this was 
like something that that other people did. But the the easy build kits, I always struggle to trim off the shoulder pads. It's it's really stressful, like if it goes wrong and stuff. I'm not great with green stuff. Um, so I, I I reached out to the community to see if many people had mixed Deathwatch armies with like some with shoulder, molded shoulder pads, like the proper shoulder pads, and how many just had like silver arms, so where they've used easy build kits and then painted their arm silver akin to normal death watch and there's actually quite a large number of people that have done that uh, and what they've also then done is either added a transfer to that silver shoulder pad or i believe there are some companies out there that that do um like 3d printed inquisitorial logos that they've then added to the model and um, just to give it that inquisitorial touch so i think that is um well i know that is that's what i'm going to do um I think all this talk of Black Armored Marines, Jay, is just um, <laughs> maybe fancy doing that. So, uh, plus, I was thinking, do I really want to be building and painting a Tonekeeper's army as well as like trying to add to my Death Watch, which is really where my heart is. Um, you know, I've got well, next to me. What you could do, Dave, is you could convert up a Watch Captain from the Tonekeepers. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Well, I've got the. Um, I've he's, he got delivered in the latest batch. I've got the the one that comes with. The exclusive one that comes with this yeah, yeah, um, Imperial, yeah with the plasma pistol and um uh power sword. So yeah, you're right. Maybe he should be my remnants of the um of the term keepers. So uh, that's me for the hobby this week. Um Andy, what have you been up to? Um so I obviously missed last week's episode um because of real life getting in the way and stuff. Woo, real life. Um but since the last episode I was on two weeks ago, I I think I mentioned I was building a Gothsar Harvester for my Bone Reapers. Um, well, I've be, built and painted that now. That's all done. That's in the uh, really useful storage box of the rest of my Bone Reapers. And on uh, last week's episode, I think it was, um, listening to you guys um, doing the podcast and stuff, um, I bought myself a Mortec Crawler and 20 Mortec Guard to finish off my Bone Reaper army. Um, yeah, so I bought the Mortec Crawler, um, painted all that up. Um, it's mostly just a bone colour. Um, it's got sort of like an armour panel up the front, which I've painted um, black to fit in with the rest of my Bone Reapers. And there's there's a little bit of like leather straps on the crew and stuff like that, which I've painted um, red again to sort of like tie it in with the rest of my Bone Reapers and stuff. Um so I've, I've got the Mortic Crawler. Um, the Mortic Guard, though, um, I painted 20 of them up earlier in the year for the army. Um, and I've decided to take a little bit of a break from the Mortic Guard. So instead of jumping in and painting them, um, on last night's hobby stream, um, I jumped in with some squigs. Um, so I bought squigs. Uh, a couple of boxes of squig herds ooh, a couple of years ago now. Um, and then I bought a bunch of stuff off Jay, which must have been, what, like two years ago now? Something like that? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's either pre-pandemic or current time for me. I don't know. The years have just disappeared for me now. Blurred. <laughs> yeah, it was a while ago. But, um, yeah, so I finally decided to finish off the squig herds. Um, so I painted up eight squigs last night on the stream. And then today I've just spent um, a couple of hours doing all the bases and stuff. And then I've got the four squig herders, the actual grots themselves, um, on my painting desk at the minute. And 
I, I want to go for kind of like a medieval monk sort of look to them. Okay. So all of the cloths and um, robes and stuff that they're, they're wearing is all going to be like a mournfang brown sort of colour. Um, and then anything that's got like, um, like some of the squig herders have got like face masks on with um, that kind of look like the bad moon. Um, so I think I'll paint them up like a separate colour, which would be like the army colour, uh, which I haven't really decided on yet. Um, but yeah, so I've been painting um, a couple of the big kits for my Bone Reapers um, and then painting up some squigs. And then, yeah, I think I'm going to um, carry on with the Mortic Guard going on next week. So yeah, a bit, a bit, a bit of varied painting for me. Excellent. Very, very cool. Keeping it Age of Sigma. Uh, Jay, what have you been up to now this week? <clears throat> so this week's been a really cool week. Um, we very kindly sent the um, Black Templars army set. So the first part of the week was spent built in the new, uh, built in, <laughs> building the new Black Templars from that set. So the Primaris Crusaders, uh, the Sword Brother that leads them, the Neophytes and um, Initiates, the Marshal and the Emperor's Champion. Um, and then uh, after building those, um, I decided to put some paint on two models. So I've been working on a test Black Templars model, so an Assault Intercessor. Oh, that's a good point, actually. I did build a load of Assault Intercessors and got them sprayed too. Uh, and then I painted one up in my test Black Templar scheme, uh, colour scheme. Um, and then I spent the second half of the week um, painting the Empress Champion. So if you've been watching the painting streams, uh, I've been painting that up on a couple of the streams. And I finished him off today, so he's finished now. Um, and so now I've got like a couple of weeks left to crack on with the uh, rest of the army ready for the November um, tournament. Uh, the aim is to try and take 1,250 points of battle ready Black Templars to that to that tournament. Brill. Yeah, I can't wait to see these guys finish, Jay. Um, your Emperor's Champion looks, he's such a cool model, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's a brilliant model. I mean, we'll talk a bit more about him shortly, but yeah, it's a fantastic like centerpiece model for the range. Excellent. That leaves you a good self, Matt. What have you been up to in the hobby this week? So I've been working on some orcs. So my beast dagger orcs, the end for the same tournament. And I've nearly done all the characters. So, um, yeah, I'm currently on the lots and lots of layers of white stage to get the white armor down. And then really just need to weather that up. The, the characters just need base. And, and then I've started work on the great white squig as well. So I've kind of blocked in the white of his belly and his face and then we'll be putting in some washers and different tones in there so yeah a couple of days they should be done not not long left on those which is uh which is cool i think it's going to be a very like orc and black templar flavored painting stream for myself and you matt whilst we get these armies ready for the november tournament yeah it absolutely is very uh very orc heavy so i'm, I'm lucky for, for my uh necron force for the tournament I've just literally got to finish the Void Dragon and um, do the Scorpetra Troyes, which I, I don't think will take very long at all. Uh, and then once I've done those, um, I'll probably be bouncing a little bit between Age of Sigmar and um, 40k, I think. I haven't quite decided where I'm going to go, but uh, just need to get these few Necrons units finished. Excellent stuff. Well, that, com- that brings our intro to a close. Before we start talking about Black Templars, we do have all of this week's news, and that's coming up next. I ask you this every week, Matt. 
sometimes I think maybe I should change it up, ask it in a different way, and then I think, nah. What have we got in this week's news, Matt? Well, we've got a fairly chunky pre-order week again. Um, the, the kind of top ticket item is Warhammer Underworld Harrow Deep. So this is a new edition of Warhammer Underworld. Uh, a little bit more expensive than previous editions. This is clocking in at £65. Ooh. Okay. That's cheeky. So I think there's a lot of cards in it. Um, but yeah, it does, it does seem a tad more expensive than the old ones. Now, one thing that they call out on the website is that each each warband gets its own kind of bespoke deck that you can use for the new Rivals format. But you also get um, a load of cards to build your own decks as well. Where I think in the past, you'd have like a mixture of two. So, yeah, that, that's possibly why it's a little bit more expensive. I mean, the models look gorgeous as well, don't they? We've got the Stormcast and the Cruel Boys in there. So we're certainly looking forward to uh, trying this one out. Yeah. Um, we've also got some 40K releases uh, this weekend, though. We have got Octarius Book 1, Rising Tide. So this is the first part of the Octarius campaign supplements, telling how um, Inquisitor Cryptman had the genius idea of sending a high fleet into a load of orcs. And that had definitely wiped both of them out and nothing would go wrong. Oh, no. The orcs have got stronger and the Tyrannids have eaten all their biomass. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, this seems to be a very Tyrannid-flavoured book, um, which is cool because the Tyrannids, I think it's fair to say that they need a little bit of love, don't they, Dave? They do. They do. But a slight word of warning on this. Um the content that's going to be in there, which we've seen a preview of today, is very much centred around the Leviathan High Fleet. And they did they did call out that other High Fleets were going to get content in this book, but it, it appears they might be more akin to battle traits and agendas, whilst all the kind of the new artefacts and stuff are going to be um, more towards Leviathan, which, to be completely honest, that's what we've been getting, isn't it, with these new books? They've not been really army-wide, they've been a, a section of Well, that yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's a narrative supplement. Leviathan are in the story, so it makes sense that it'll be Leviathan-related stuff. You know, there's nothing to stop you from using those in your friendly games for other high fleets, no, is there? No, and, 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 and I think what this will give us is um, an inclination of the direction in which they're going to go with the Tyranids. It'll give us a bit of a taster of what could be coming in the ninth edition book whenever we you know whenever that may be and just yeah. because they're in this Octarius book doesn't mean that their book is quite far away because what we have seen with the the ones the the warzone books that we've had a lot of them have already got codexes now the adeptus mechanicus the death guard the dracari so it could in fact mean the opposite it could mean the tyranny book is actually a lot closer than some people may think yeah, I guess the difference to the other ones, though, the Octarius supplement came after the Codex rather than before it. And obviously, if any big mechanical changes might render the stuff in there invalid. But we'll see. Um, alongside this, we've got a new Crusade supplement as well. Containment, which yeah, is pretty cool. It's got Planet Strike missions coming back. Now, Planet Strike was a uh, expansion back in back in the day. And this kind of recreates those style missions. So, yeah, looking forward to this one as well. That's going to be £25. Um, it looks pretty fun. We like we like our Crusade content, so another 21 missions is uh, certainly something we'll be looking forward to getting into. Um, now, if you're a fan of the Ordo Xenos and there's all these you know, various alien races kicking around, you might want some Ordo Xenos dice. I know, Dave, you're probably down for a pack of these. 
Can I afford it, Matt? No. Will I be somehow making the funds to afford this on Saturday? 100% yes. Uh, I will be picking these up. So yeah, purple dice with the Auto Xenos logo on the six. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we've also got some new grass tufts as well. So for a while, the the old um, grass tufts, uh, Mordheim something, and I can't remember what the other ones were. They've been out of stock for a while. Middenheim turf, that's yeah. the one. Um, they've been replaced by two new tuft packs. We've got Verdia Velt, which seem to be big chunky tufts in, in a green. And then Mordian Corpse Grass, which are more like the, the old style, smaller tufts uh, in a brown. Both these packs cost £10 each. What I would say is check out the link on the website for Rival Crafts. You can get a bigger pack of lots of different colour tufts for less than that. Now, obviously, the advantage of the GW ones is that you can just walk into your local store and get them. But it does look to have a lot less content than the old grass packs that they used to do just looking at the images on the website. So I think for £10, there's probably better places you can get your tufts from at the moment. Cool. Uh, for Forge World, we've got some cool stuff on the way, though. Uh, a while ago, we saw Malagurst released and Slipped Into the Wild was a new Le- uh, Sons of Horus Praetor, which had infiltrated some of those blister packs. Um, he is now available Uh you know, separately, as he should be. And it's a really, really nice model. I mean, all these Heresy Praetors have been gorgeous, haven't they? They have. They yeah, really definitely. Have. But yeah, so he's available now. And alongside him, the Destroyer Squad is back. Now, I'm, I want to say these have come out in the past, but with jump packs, and they've now just got backpacks on them. Perhaps. They're definitely not new, new models, no, are they? No, they're not. And I think, yeah, I'm not sure if you could always get these with backpacks. It's, it's confused me, yeah. They're not, there's no new sculpt there. There's no new sculpt. Oh yeah, so I I think that um, I, I think that they had jump packs and they've just re-released them with uh, backpacks. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. And then for completionists of the Horus Heresy series, if you have maybe got some of the old uh, hardback books and you uh, are looking to like collect the whole range because those big hardback books were expensive at like eighty-five pounds each. So uh, what Forge would have done is release these separately in paperback. Now, these, off the top of my head, about £35, £40 each. So book three, Extermination, and book seven, Inferno, are now available in paperback, which makes it a little bit more affordable for people to maybe pick up the books that they've got missing in the Horus Heresy series. So that's pretty cool. For Blood Bowl... That's, that's not the only Horus Heresy. You missed out the um, uh, Ultramarines character, Ramus Fantanus, who's coming out. I did miss him completely. Do you want to tell us about him, Jay? Yeah, so he he was announced, I think, before the Sons of Horus Praetor, um, and um, he's he's a special character with like a, a, a standard bearer. He's got um, some cool warlord traits and um, uh, cunning strategist rules, a choice of heads, but he's sort of in line with the two other Ultramarines characters we've seen, the Praetorian Power Armor and Terminator Armor as well. So you've got a full set of new Ultramarines sort of command characters there. Um Really, really cool. It's great the amount of love that Horus Heresy is getting at the moment. Yeah, and those 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 models look so good as well. So yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, what we get for Heresy. Yeah. Now for Blood Bowl, uh, another corn model has been shown off the Blood Spawn. So this is a zero to one option for your uh, Blood Bowl team, which probably means you're probably going to want to take one. It's a big horrific. I don't know what it is. Some kind of really angry spawn. With chain wrapped around its fists. It reminds me of the tank from Left 4 Dead. 
Yeah, yeah, he's got that kind of vibe to him. Uh, yeah, this thing looks brutal. I mean, I'm guessing that the um, the Blood Bowl corn team isn't too far away. So, yeah, I will definitely be jumping on these guys because I want to go and smash people's heads on the pitch. He's got an interesting um, set of trophies around his belt. Uh, one of the skulls is, is like a Cyclops skull. Um, oh, right. Which okay. I it's quite, quite interesting because I'm not sure there's any like Cyclops sort of man-sized creatures in Warhammer currently. Uh, no, that's interesting. Unless it's a plague bearer head or something. I don't know. Possibly, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then finally, finally, we have got Warhammer Day coming on the 30th of October. So this is a celebration of all things Warhammer and Games Workshop are having their, I think, final big reveal show of the year, showing everything else that's coming out in 2021 and a little bit of stuff that's coming out in 2022 as well. So that will definitely be one um, worth watching because, yeah, there's I think there's probably some cool stuff coming out before the end of the year and they'll show it off here first. Alongside that, though, they've got two limited edition models that you can buy on that day. So there is a new Vampire Lord model. Anister Malkorian, who looks really kind of sinister and weird. I don't know about you guys, but I really like this vampire. Yeah. Oh, really she looks like yeah. alien, doesn't she? Like an alien vampire. Really cool. Yeah. I'd love I to really see like someone it. convert like a 40k theme around the vampires. Like oh, sci-fi I'm sure vampires. You could. I'm sure you could. Um, and then there's also a new Primaris Lieutenant with Storm Shield. This one, I'm less sold on if i'm honest well he goes with the other primaris lieutenant with storm shield that everybody's got from indomitus i mean i don't know <laughs> they could have done something really cool like a different um judicia do you know the executioner yeah specific? something like that but i don't know <laughs> he, looks, he looks too similar he, he just yeah. Looks, yeah he's like a mini version of the captain isn't he holding the shield in the same pose just got his sword in a different position yeah i'm not impressed so that 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 one less so but the vampire is ace i'll be picking up the vampire because it looks really really cool and yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to the day itself because yeah i mean hopefully we've been talking about this heresy box forever we'll see that Come on heresy yeah uh, well presumably the next aos book and the next two codexes will be announced on that day as well so yeah put the 30th of october in your uh, diary because it should be a fun one yeah i'm really looking forward to that myself uh in all different projects that'll be ongoing um excellent well that brings the new segment to a close. I think it's time for Jay to take us through the brand new codex for Warhammer 40,000. So we'll be right back. I think it's safe to say as soon as Jay saw the teaser trailer for the Black Templars making a return, he got very excited. And with each passing screenshot uh, and, and rumour, and uh, rules discussion, you just got more and more involved in it. So I'm guessing you're pretty pleased you got your hands on the book, Jay. Yeah, it's brilliant. It, it's one of the most exciting like Warhammer 40,000 Codex releases for me for a while. I think it's my favourite um, of the Space Marine supplements. Uh, and that's, you know, even over the Blood Angels. Um, oh. I know, oh. I know. But it's very good. And I think as well, the fact that Games Workshop have released this limited edition version of it with this cover, it's just, mm. it's really, really nice. I think even if you're not a Black Templars fan, it's a really nice book to keep in your collection because it's such an iconic cover. Uh, there's no text on it or anything like that, and the artwork is just really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah, that that's fair enough. It is a very nice-looking, very nice-looking book. kind of breaks the trends, doesn't it? Because um, we've not seen this before. 
No, and it, and it does sort of, I wonder in future if we'll see similar, if this has been a popular um, piece of artwork and a popular sort of art style for limited edition books. And like some limited edition books, like I've got the limited edition Lumineff Battletone version one, and really there's not that much special about it. It's got a bit of gold edging around the pages, but the actual cover itself is not really that unique. Uh, whereas if they went back through their archives and found all of these like second edition, third edition pieces of artwork to put on their limited edition codex covers, that's just an extra little something, isn't it, for the for the collector then? Yeah, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, yeah, so I've had the book now for for a few days. We've got the the in depth review up on the website. So if anyone wants to go over all of the strats and relics and things like that, that's the place to go. Um, before I start on the codex review, though, I just, just want to talk a little bit about the box contents itself. So um, you get the, uh, um, twelve brand new Black Templars miniatures from the new range that's coming out. Not all of them, so you don't get the Sword Reverend, you don't get the two characters, but you do get the Primaris Crusader Squad, uh, an Empress Champion, and a Marshal, as well as a Redemptor Dreadnought. And the models are great. They're they're not the easy build snap fit models. They're they're actual you know multi part models. Uh, you get in the Primaris Crusader Squad, you get like pairs of torsos and legs. But then you get a lot of freedom and flexibility in terms of the helms and arms and weapons and things you can equip on them. So we were talking on the painting stream. I reckon you could very easily make a full squad of 20 where every model looks completely different, which is really, really cool for that kind of kit. Um, the Marshall kit is a favourite of yours, I think, Dave. Um, I love it. Almost like identical to the uh, the older uh, metal uh, firstborn Marshall you used to be able to get with the axe, um, just upscaled in Primaris armour which is really, really cool. And he's completely different than other Space Marine captains. So I think, you know, you've got like your generic Space Marine captains, Dark Angels, Space Wolves, Blood Angels. They haven't really got much to distinguish between them, really. Maybe like a, a robe on a black, uh, Dark Angel or, or, or sort of, you know, a fancy helm on a Blood Angel. But this guy looks completely different. So he's like a completely new model. Uh, so I think that's really, really cool. The Black Templars are really going to stand out against other Chaos um, Codex Space Marines armies. Um, but the highlight of the box for me was the Empress Champion. Okay, so this was like a monopose build, really, um, but went together very nicely. And it, it's such a really, really cool silhouette once he's built. Um, and he's got great rules as well. So he, I think he'll find a place in most of people's Black Templars armies. Uh, you also got the limited edition codex plus the data cards. Uh, so all in all, I think it's a pretty good set. And I don't know, is it at the time of recording? Can you still pre-order the set and you're guaranteed a box? I can't remember so, what offer No, it was just over the weekend. So obviously we're past okay. that now, unfortunately. Okay, well, hopefully everyone who wants one got one. Um, so the other thing I really liked about this book as well, I mean, as you'd expect from Night Edition Code, it's full of great artwork. Um, I've been a bit disappointed in the past about some of the lore that's appeared in the codexes. I remember reading the Jukari book, um, the the uh, Blood Angels book. There wasn't that much new background in there, considering we're in this really like period of turmoil with, within the Warhammer 30, uh, 41st millennium. Now we've got Primarchs returning, this big rift cutting off half the galaxy, Cage has been destroyed. Uh, where's all that new stuff in the codexes to reflect that that development? And we haven't seen up until now. This codex does include a lot of extra lore about the era Indomitus. So all the problems that Gilliman had tracking down the Templars to give them their new Primaris reinforcements, the different Crusades, and there's one, two, three Crusades they've launched since era Indomitus, the, the Great Rift, which is really, really cool to see in a, in a ninth edition codex. It, it means, you know, sometimes you buy a new codex, it's not too much different. I remember the Tau being very similar, and even the Space Marine codex, uh, the, the one before the last one, where you're thinking, well, you know, there's not much development in this book. It's not much different than the one I just bought 18 months ago. So that's good to see. Um, 
Do you think that could be partly because it's been a while since we've had a standalone Black Templars book? It, it could be, yeah. I'm not sure when the last was it was it fourth edition maybe the last time we had a Black Templars book. Um, so yeah, you could be right there, Dave, that they've not had the opportunity to sort of develop any Black Templars lore. So that that might be right. We'll we'll find out, I guess, when the next uh, codexes come out um, to, to see whether they 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 continue with that trend. But I hope they do because it, it was really cool to to read all that stuff. Um, so Black Templars, they're your basic codex space marine army um and uh, they just get some extra bits bolted on so um the, the the main sort of mechanic they've got going from this is templar vows so we've seen a couple of these on on uh warmer community they were they were sort of spoiled up to the release and then we've gone over them as well in our review but these are like your super doctrine so if you've got a black templar army every black templar unit with the combat doctrines um ability so that's an angels of death keyword um, they get to they get to benefit from these Templar vows, and basically, when you 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 come to a game, you see who your opponent is, you roll for your mission, and then at the end of the reading the mission briefing, you get to choose which vow you want to try and use that that game. Um, and each vow has got like a little advantage that it gives your army, a little bonus, and then a drawback as well, a passion. Um, so the old Black Templars um, uh, like super doctrines was it heirs of Sigismund or knights of Sigismund was basically they auto-wounded on a six to um, hit in melee. Uh, that's one of the vows, suffer not the unclean to live, so you can you can use that one as, if you like. Uh, the drawback there is that you have to charge the closest unengaged um, enemy. So, so you know, a clever opponent can maybe manipulate that a bit to, to draw your Black Templars out into um, different positions, you know, a, a, an unfavourable position. But I think my favourite vow is uphold the honour of the Emperor. Um, which basically gives every Black Templars model with that Angels of Death keyword a five plus invulnerable save and a sort of mini transhuman physiology. Um, so they can only be wounded on a three plus regardless of the, the uh, uh, any weapon abilities or rules that the weapon might have that's hitting you, which I think is a pretty good bonus, actually, army wide. When you think that that goes onto your bikes, onto your land speeders, your, your tanks, your dreadnoughts and things like that. That's a really, really cool um, vow, and I think that one will probably see most use, actually, in, in most people's games. Um, the downside there is that um, you can't receive the benefits of cover against any of those attacks. So that's light cover for your plus one save or dense cover for your minus one to hit. So you really have to sort of think, well, OK, if, there's, you know, if I'm playing Dark Eldar and there's lots of Dark Lances in the opponent's army, maybe that's a good vow to take to protect my army. Uh, if you're fighting a guard army or an orc army, you might say, well, OK, I think that plus one save minus one to hit might be a bit more effective here. So I'll choose one of the other vows. But you've got that flexibility to choose, which is really, really cool. Um, yeah, I was going to say the, uh, the downside to that doesn't really doesn't really feel that much of a downside when you actually start playing the game and stuff like that. Like playing at, um, like Purpose Sparkle Unicorn events and stuff like that, while we've got absolutely tons of terrain on the board. A large amount of the time, players don't think about the terrain rules. No. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, I think that's the, probably the easiest one to use. And I think the advantage actually is probably most generally useful. There are a couple of passions drawbacks, which I think are quite, they can be quite limiting. So obviously that charging the closest unengaged enemy might be a problem for some people. But also there's one accept any challenge, no matter the odds. So this is one that basically means you, you always count as having the assault doctrine active when you're in engagement. So when you're fighting in combat, you're always getting that plus one AP, uh, plus one attack for um, shock assault. Um, but the downside there is you can't fall back. And falling back is one of those weird abilities that you don't know you need to fall back until a point in the game turns up where, ah, oh, I have to fall back to get back onto that objective. I have to fall back to sort of free up that enemy unit so I can shoot it with my tank. 
and not being able to fall back for the entire game, I think that could cost you. You know, it might cost you a game or two that one. So that's that's going to be a tricky one to use. So yeah, it's going to be interesting playing with these, I think. Um, and 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 you know, seeing if you can work around those drawbacks or not. Um, there 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 are um, uh, ways in the book as well to to get a unit to benefit from a second vow at the same time uh, using a stratagem. Um, of course, you get the, the drawback as well. Um, and there is a unit, the Sword Brethren, the Primary Sword Brethren. They have a rule which means that they always ignore the drawback, so they just they just get the benefit. So that, that's pretty cool. Primary Sword Brethren. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool in this book. Um, you get two pages worth of stratagems. Um, some of them have, we've seen before, but with slight changes. Uh, Devout Push that was um, previewed on the Warhammer community. Um, I'm not going to go through all of the stratagems at all, but there are a couple which I really, really like. So the first one I really like, and I think this might be unique to the Space Marines, is Heir of Sigismund. And this, basically, this lets you um, choose a um, named character to be your a non-named character to be your warlord, and you can give them an additional warlord trait. So you can have characters running around with two warlord traits using the Heir of Sigismund stratagem for one CP. Um, um, in the Death Watch book, um, your warlord can have two warlord traits. Okay. Um, for the the cost of a, a stratagem. Um, and because um, what's fun about that is you can use that and one of the warlord traits allows you to have a selected second relic so you don't have full flex so you could in effect have a death watch captain with two warlord traits and potentially two relics which is really cool but you like you say it i don't think there's many armies that can do that no i've not seen it um previously in the other space but then yeah the death watch that's cool and yeah so i mean you have to choose from the black templars um warlord traits table so the six warlord traits there you choose from um but you can mix and match one of those with one of the codex space marines warlord traits um so it gives you a bit of flexibility so that was a stratagem i really liked and the other stratagem i really liked which synergizes well with lots of other rules in this book is the champion of the feast stratagem and basically what you do is before the battle, you spend one CP, you select basically a sergeant model, so a sword brethren sergeant or a primaris intercessor sergeant or something. Um, and you can add one to that model's attacks, uh, one to that model's wounds characteristic and improve that model's weapon skill by one. So, you know, if you choose the right character, a primaris blade guard veteran, for example, you, you're getting a, a four wound um, veteran there. Or is it a five wound veteran now, actually, plus one wound uh, with four or five attacks hitting on twos? Uh, which can be quite a nasty surprise for um, opponents who are sort of, you know, not expecting a sergeant hidden in the unit that you can't target with the majority of weapons and abilities in the game to then come out fighting with these extra attacks and extra weapon skill. Um, and like I say, there's lots of synergies in the book. You can uh, use a stratagem to give that sergeant a particular relic. So there's a small list of relics you can give to them, but there's some good options on here. The Sword of Judgment, which is a, um, let me see, is a, a strength... Strength plus three, AP minus three, damage free weapon that you can give to your blade, blade veteran sergeant. Um, there's a um, uh, the 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 skull of Cacodominus. <laughs> We've got some great names these these uh, these things have, which give you like a um, a big um, debuffing aura for enemy psychers. And it's really hard for the opponent to sort of remove that threat from the board because they're safe inside this squad. It's almost like the old Warhammer 40k, you know, third edition where you could attach characters to squads and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I really like that, how you can sort of beef up. And I'd love to see people's armies with these sergeants converted to be carrying these relics and things like that. So, yeah, so as you know, Black Templars don't get psychers. That's their thing. They don't do witches. They 
they they what is it um abhor the witch destroy the witch so um instead of librarians what you get instead is some really really cool chaplains in this book so obviously you've got grimaldus who is a super chaplain he can um inspire two lit in his turn he does it on a better um, dice roll of two plus um but there's some great litanies in here which sort of make up for the lack of psychic powers um, there's a litany here that gives um, a core character unit an extra attack, which stacks with Shock Assault. So you cast it on a big unit of Assault Intercessors or Primaris Crusaders or the aforementioned Blade Guard veterans that have got that souped-up sergeant in there. Um, there's the um, litany of protection, five plus feel no pain for a core character unit within six inches. Uh, there's really cool um, relics in here that can extend the range of those litanies to nine inches as well. Uh, so I think you definitely need at least one chaplain in your army, maybe even two chaplains in your army, because those litanies are brilliant. And unlike psychic powers, the opponent can't do much about them until he kills your chaplains. Yeah, I was uh, just about to say, in some ways, it's even better than having a psycho in your army. So it's not really a disadvantage. It's not. No, I, there's a stratagem that lets you automatically inspire as well. So you don't even have to risk a dice roll. And the Black Templars have some of the best psychic defenses outside of Grey Knights. So the whole army gets a five plus Feel no pain against mortal wounds. So, you know, against your smites and things like that, they're getting that five plus save. Um, the the Grimaldus can try and deny the witch. And if he's a warlord, he can try and do it twice. You've got relics and stratagems, which let you deny again, that let you stop a power on a four plus. You've got all these debuffs to casting psychic powers. You've got the Temple of Owls, which make it easier to hunt down enemy psychers. They're a really, really strong anti-psychic army, which is what you'd expect from the Black Templars. Um, Warlord traits, uh, the Warlord traits are okay. There's nothing really that jumped out as being um, really, really cool. The Emperor's Champion has to take Warlord traits from this this chart, so uh, that limits the sort of um, usefulness of the Warlord traits for that particular character. Obviously, your other characters can look in Codex Space Marines as well. Um, relics, oof, there's loads of relics in this book. 22 relics, I think there was, for match play, plus another seven or so for Crusade. And these are some of the best relics I've seen in a, in a uh, Warhammer 40,000 9th edition codex. Um, the Crusader Helm adds three inches to the range of the bearer's aura abilities. Um, and then in the command phase, you can choose a uh, core unit and they count as having the Assault Doctrine active. Um, oh, and there's that many great aura effects in this book that adding three inches to the range of them is brilliant. So I can see the Crusader Helm being taken on, every, on a Black Templar's chap. Chaplain all the time. Very, very cool. Um, there's a um, Sword of Judgment, which is really cool. That plus three that strength, AP minus three, damage free sword, which you can give to sergeants as well. Really, really cool. Um, but I think my favourite relic has to be uh, Tanner Houser's Bones, which is um, a small relic you give to any any uh, character. Each time attack is allocated to the bearer, the damage characteristic of that attack is changed to one. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, and you can you can combo that you can combo that very nicely with a five plus feel no pain save perhaps and also for the emperor's honor stratagem which you use against uh, you choose one of your characters and then you choose uh, every enemy character within engagement range has to target that character so you throw him up against your your um uh, gasgulls or your your mortarians um and then all of their massive damaging attacks are targeted against this one particular character who then reduces all the damage to one and gets the five plus feel no pain against it well that's fairly mental can i just clarify something just in case i wasn't listening to that completely correctly 
so you say for example mortarian lands four hits each of those hits would go down to damage one not right. damage one but yeah okay that's cool yeah, that's not quite as ridiculous as i was uh, as yeah, well, no. first, it doesn't yeah. reduce every single bit of damage going to just one, <laughs> the whole game he just takes one damage that would be great so yeah so um that's that's definitely my pick of the relic section there and uh, you know you'd be taking that on on in, in every army pretty much but that's not that's not where the relics stop. The Black Templars are really cool because they get to give relics to their squads as well. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight relics that you can give to your squads. And they're really cheap, like from 10 points. The most expensive one is 20 points, which is great. I mean, the Grey Knights had a similar thing where they could give gifts to their characters, but they were really expensive. And you're like, well, you know, 35 points for a particular gift. I can't really squeeze that in. But here, 10 points for a relic, you can. And... Most of the relics sort of just buff the model holding them. Remember, you can combo this with the stratagem that lets you upgrade a sergeant, gives the sergeant a proper relic, and then give the squad another relic. So they get that effect. So he's basically getting the effects of two relic on a squad sergeant. <laughs> Bonkers, that is. Um, some of the some of the relics also sort of act as like force multipliers and, and buff the unit as well. So... Uh, one of my favorites is Sigismund's Seal. So at the start of the first battle round, you select an enemy unit and you mark them for death. And then the unit carrying this relic gets to reroll all hits and all wounds against that particular unit. Um, so basically any infantry or biker unit that's not a character can take one of these relics. So you could, for example, give that to a squad of eradicators and then point at the enemy's land raiders or something like that. Um, so it, 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 that's a really, really cool um, relic, I thought. Uh, and like I say, you can combo them with the, the the bigger relics, with the stratagems. So you can you're going to be carrying lots of cool treasures into battle. I think with a Black Templar's army. Yeah, it does sound like you can really customize and f- flush out your army. And I think you know, looking at the the Crusader squads, which for me are like the the focal point of a Black Templar army. Looking at those, you can really customize them however you want, not just on the models. Or even the um, uh, what's it? The Black Templar upgrade pack comes with bits that you can use to actually represent the relics that you get. Yeah, that's so, it. Yes. Yeah, so it, it looks it looks like you can really customize the whole army. And for me, that that's fantastic. You know, even doing a crusade army, you know, you can make it look really narrative. You play a match play again. You can you, you know you can really customize your squads and for me that, that's awesome yeah definitely it's definitely a big um plus point for this codex um and and like uh, some of them are really really strong as well the fist of balthus is a strength times two ap minus three damage free weapon that you can just give to any infantry squad or biker squad in your um in your in your army so your outrider squad give one of them that <laughs> cast the plus one attack on them the enemy can't get rid of it you know it's going to hit them um you've got an apothecary nearby and it does die bring it back <laughs> that's mental yeah like you say so, the great eyes are something similar and the death watch have got something similar but they're like the between like 20 and 35 points yeah it just makes is, someone workable um, doesn't it yeah and also they, they, they're not as interesting so you know i could be paying 30 points basically for a couple of extra re-rolls not like some really cool relicy kind of equipment yeah it's great, and like you said, I mean, I'd be looking to put relics on pretty much every squad in my army. When you're paying like ten points for for one of those relics, I mean, that power fist is ten points. Why wouldn't you just include that on? And it doesn't even need to. Um, 
Oh, it has to be a model of Power Fist only, actually. So you couldn't put it on your Outriders, but you could definitely put it in your Crusader squads, in your Assault Intercessor squads. So yeah, and I think you actually get one of those on the sprues, actually. It came in the in the army set, so that was cool. Um, you get your usual chapter-approved um, secondary objectives. They're all pretty cool. Um, and what's great about the code, the, the Space Marine supplements, is you get the free from here to choose from, the free from the Codex Space Marines to choose from, and then the ones from the um, rulebook as well. So you've got lots of options. Um, I particularly like the the the, the carry out your vows one, which you sort of uh, basically changes depending on which Templar vow you've chosen, uh, which is pretty cool. And they've got some great names: Bathe Your Blade in the Blood of Your Foe. <laughs> We've just taken for that. Subtle. Uh, yeah, that's it. Well, <laughs> nothing about the Black Templars is subtle. Um, okay, so um, I'll come back to the Crusade bit, which is the next, probably the best part of the whole Codex, and just skip straight back through to the uh, the, the the new units. So you get six new data sheets in here. Uh, we've seen the Hellbrett model. He's a beast. His profile's great. Check out the review to find out all the stuff he can do. But basically, he... He, he does not disappoint. He, he hits as hard as he looks like he hits, if that makes sense. <laughs> he's very cool. Uh, and he's very cheap as well. Um, Chaplain Grimaldis is... He's a good chaplain. He can cast two lit in his turn uh, on a two plus. He's got all of these um, special sort of bits of war gear that follow him around with the servitors. Uh, he comes back to life on a four plus when you kill him. Um, but other than that, he's fairly standard. But he's got a great model, so you know you'd want to include him in a Black Templar's army, really, just because he's he's a bit like the uh, Triumph of Saint Catherine, you know, like a standout piece. Um, the Emperor's Champion, oh, probably my favourite unit here. So you can't give him any relics. Uh, he doesn't need any relics. He's got a four plus invulnerable save. He subtracts one from enemy models that are hitting him. Uh, when he's fighting a character, he rerolls all his hits and all his wounds. Um, he has a four plus invulnerable save. Remember, you can give him a five plus in, uh, feel no pain. He gets a five plus mortal wound shrug anyway. You can give him extra attacks. I think you can get him up to eight attacks with the right buffs. Um, and his sword is is crazy. So he's got two different profiles with it, but the best one is the strength times two, AP minus four, free damage. Um, if he's within engagement range of an enemy character, he'll fight first, uh, and he can heroically intervene six inches rather than three inches. So basically, he's going to be there fighting the biggest nasties on the um well the biggest nastiest enemy characters in the opponent's army which is exactly what you want an emperor's champion who's sort of channeling the uh the spirit of sigismund to be doing and he's got an amazing yeah. model to boot so really happy with the emperor's champion um primaris crusader squad we've seen this one lots of flexibility here can go up to 20 models a combination of those new scouts and the regular primaris so the only difference really between the two models is um a pip of leadership and a pip of armor save as well but other than that they're the same um i think a big unit of these with the astartes chainswords is the way to go myself because of all the bonuses you get to being in the assault doctrine and all the extra ap and all the extra attacks i think that's the way to go there's a couple of strats that exploding hits mortal wounds on sixes to hit things like that so you want to try and maximize the number of attacks um, but you can add bolt guns and assault guns and the new pyroblasters and things like that. They also get led by a primary sword brother as well. So that's another option for that extra wound, extra attack relic thing. So, uh, yeah, they're quite quite cool squads and iconic Black Templar squads, really. That's what makes them stand apart from other Codex Space Marines. Um, primary sword brethren. Eh, I don't know about these guys. I think I prefer Blade Guard veterans. Um, really nice kits. And I think I'm going to convert some of mine into Blade Guard veterans. But they suffer, really, in that you can't sort of specialise the squad. You can basically take two of each special weapon. Um, it would have been nice, I think, to 
I don't know, focus on a bit more, you know, have a have a have a squad full of Thunderhammers or something like that. Uh, okay. It's something the Primaris range sort of suffers with, I think, compared to the Firstborn. With the Firstborn, you can take a unit of Vanguard veterans and give them all Thunder Hammers, all Storm Shields, all Melter Guns, or whatever we do. But with these ones, you're sort of limited to what comes in the box, which is a blessing and a curse, really. So, um, but you know, they've got the the standard veteran stat line. They've got this cool Valswarm Bladesman um, ability, which lets them ignore all of the negatives from the um, Vows. Um, and yeah, the models are great, so you know, hopefully people will start including those in their army as well. So that's all of the uh, the new profiles. Um, the only really extra bit that Black Templars get is the fact that they can give multi-melters to all of their vehicles, so the impulses, the repulsors, um, what else? The um, gladiator tanks can all take multi-melters instead of the iron hail stubbers, which actually I think is a good upgrade. Um, when you look at some of the loadouts for those tanks, the, well, there's a Gladiator Valiant, is it, that already has two multi-melters, so being able to throw a third multi-melter onto that tank, uh, you know, is pretty, pretty cool. Um, so that's that's the bulk of the codex, really. Uh, I really like it. Um, and then we get to the Crusade section, which, I mean, I've done a proper detailed write-up of the Crusade section on on the, the website, so go and check that out for sure. But I, I think this is my favourite Crusade. I mean, we say this all the time, but this is my favourite Crusade rules of any Night Edition Codex. Okay, it's um, a bold statement. It's a bold statement considering what we've seen. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I, I thought the Sisters of Battle are very good. The Jukari are very good. Dark uh, Angels. Dark Angels were very good. Yeah, Hunting the Fallen. The Grey Knights was cool. The Thousand Suns was a bit meh. The, um, what was the other one? The Blood Angels one as well, I thought was a bit meh. Uh, but this one's brilliant. Um, so basically the agendas, even the agendas are great. So there's agendas here that sort of work around the fact that you've got these primaris initiates training up the neophytes and you get bonuses if you're able to see neophytes like killing enemy units or p- capturing objectives and things like that. They get like a pat on the shoulder from the primaris mentor and you get you get um, bo- uh, points for that. There's there's um, places where you have to um, objectives on on the board you choose one of them to be the site of like a a, 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 a tainted relic and you have an agenda to try and reconsecrate that relic and if you do one of your units can add a relic to their order of battle uh, i just think that's so cool um the um oaths of crusade which is a big crusade mechanic um basically when you, you, if you've not if you've not got a current oath of crusade in force you you start one and you get to choose between one and four sort of requirements for your crusade so you choose a deed then you can choose a foe then you can choose a condition and then you can choose a situation or you could just decide to choose just a deed or just a deed and a foe um the more complex you make your oath of crusade the greater the reward but obviously it will take you a lot longer to complete it um so some of the deeds are great. So bring victory to the chapter, reclaim his domain. And you've got foes like cut off the enemy supply forces um, without allowing our holy relics to fall. And you basically construct it over crusades. So you might have something like in the name of the immortal emperor, I hereby vow to bring glory to his name and destroy the machineries of subjugation without allowing our heroes to fall. And each of those sort of sections has a requirement. So bring glory to his name, win at least four battles with your black Templars army. Uh, Prosecute the Eternal Crusade. Gain experience points for a unit from your order of battle at the end of five battles, from an agenda at the end of five battles. Um, So these aren't things you're going to do in one game. These are things that you're going to have to work towards over the course of four, five, six, seven, eight games. Um, And you get different rewards. 
once you've completed your entire crusade, you have to satisfy each component of your Oath of Crusade. Uh, the rewards can uh, uh, vary from experience points for your um, units, um, battle traits for your units. But the really interesting one is these relic pieces that you can find. So, for example, the Bring Glory to His Name uh, deed would reward you with a, a relic piece from the casket of the Pious. Pious. Um, the Anlelo, the Foe's Mightiest Heroes, would reward you with a relic piece from the Seal of the Pious. Um, and then basically, once you've collected enough of these relic pieces, you can reconstruct them. Um, and there's oh, one, two, three, four different relics that you can find the parts for. And then once you've managed to reconstruct them, you can then give that relic to one of the units in your um, Order of Crusade, Order of Battle. Um, which is really cool because that means you've got so much to sort of be working at while you're playing your narrative games. Obviously, you've got your general experience that you want all your units to be getting. You've got your agendas that are going to be unlocking new battle traits and things like that that you're going to be working on in that game. But at the back of your mind, you're thinking about your Oath of Crusade that you've sworn as well. And, you know, you might be looking for that final relic piece. You know, you might just need to kill one more enemy monster to complete that section of your Oath of Crusade. And I liken it to almost like an MMO reputation grind or, you know, faction grind or something like that. Um, But fun. (laughs) (laughs) I um yeah I think I think I think the crusade section is really really cool. Um so yeah that's it that's that's the codex in a nutshell. Excellent. It it sounds really really good. I I love the fact that it's got so many like relic options and uh, the way you build those relics sounds quite similar to the Adeptus Mechanicus um mm. crusade content where you're building arc um experimental weapons and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. It really feels uh, like they're getting into the swing of how to write these crusade sections. Yeah, you say that. I mean, like you, the the Thousand Sons was one of the last forty K books to come out. I don't think they quite really got that one right, but y- y- you're right. Like they are getting stronger um, in most of the and most of the books. Do you think they they do you think overall the flavor of the books still feels quite knightly? Yes, I do. I think you've got these Templar vows that you choose before your game. And with those drawbacks, you know, that you're making that sacrifice, which is, you know, just what a, a knight would do. You know, they sacrifice something to, for the good of the, the people and the good of the people they're protecting, which is which is really, really cool. So straight from like the beginning of the game, you're in that mindset. The fact that you can, you know, most people have just got their characters that they sort of live through on the battlefield. And they, these are the ones performing all their heroic actions. But with a Black Templar's army, you've got you've got those heroes littered throughout your force you know your basic squad sergeant is going to be telling tales you know when he smacks down an enemy warlord with his souped up attacks weapon skill the relic is carrying the relic is squads carrying so you're gonna be able to tell these stories with just your your regular squad sergeants and there is a name generator in this book and i reckon that you're gonna be giving all of your sergeants proper names because they they are like mini characters you know so yeah i I, it definitely it's good. It, it feels like a very, very third edition army to me, which is, you know, that, that nostalgia. Uh, I think they've really done a cracking job of catching. I don't know how it's going to sit in the tournament scene, the competitive scene. I don't know. I, 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 I'm not too concerned about that. Is it going to be fun to use? Yeah, it, it's one of the most exciting codexes I've, I've picked up for a long time. Excellent. Yeah, 
That all sounds very, very awesome. Um, we've mentioned it a few times uh, during the course of the podcast. It has done a comprehensive review of the book uh, over on spoosandbrews.com. Check out the podcast notes for links to that. Uh, whilst Matt has done the video side of things, so he's taken lots of juicy shots of the um, sprues within there, and uh, he's taken a flick through the codex as well. That video can be found on our YouTube page, and it's also embedded in Jay's written review as well, so make sure you check that out. Um, can't wait to see your army fully painted, Jay. Oh, yeah, I know. That's it. Well, what well, we got four or five weeks until the tournament, so I've got a lot to paint, really. Um, I'm thinking um, I, I want to pick up one of those Gladiator tanks. Uh, I want to pick up a unit of Blagar veterans, and then I think I think that's it then. I think I've got all the models I need to make 1,250 points worth of Black Templars. Fantastic. Excellent stuff. Our thanks again to Games Workshop for providing the launch box, complete with Codex. Very much appreciated. I think it's time we took a pause and we come back with this week's top three. So it's a really cool top three this week uh, because we're going to be looking at the box arts and Codex arts and other pieces of art from from warhammer past and present um i do know from having a sneaky peek at the community choices that there are lots of retro choices i don't know what any of you guys have picked for this one um but i'm going to delve in uh, and talk through my top three first because i feel like mine are all pretty recent um i i do have sometimes a problem with my memory um so i thought you know actually we'll, we'll, we'll i'll keep my top three to all kind of more recent parts of artwork that um, I really like from covers. My third choice, mainly because it's quite a different art style than anything else that's come on either um, a box game or a codex or some kind of spin-off of like a mainland Warhammer series, and that is Warhammer Quest Curse City. Oh. So the the, the real, like, hand-drawn... I know there's a lot of hand-drawn artwork in... um, Warhammer, but this is a real kind of almost Sin City, uh, Kevin Chin's Archeon kind of yeah. Uh, I, th- artwork I think on this. that'd be because it's drawn by Kevin Chin. <laughs> that, well, that that's a really big giveaway, that isn't it? Um, so I uh, <laughs> ah, so I I really like this piece of art. I think I think it's really nice. I think it looked really nice framed as well. Um, I've got it still in the box actually. I should really frame that. Um, but I think it's a stunning, a stunning piece of art. Uh, my second choice um, was a recent-ish battle box, and it pitted some character overlords fighting the disciples of Zeech. It was the Ether War box. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're battling it out in the skies. It was sort of between the new Endrin Master uh, in his dirigible suit um, against the new Magister on flying disc of Zeech. Um, I don't know what it's about this artwork. I don't know if it's because they're both like kind of flying. It's quite dynamic. Um, but I, the the box really appealed to me, and the artwork really really appealed to me. And again, it's another one that I've probably got in the box still, um, waiting to be framed and, and, and put on the wall. Um, but yeah, really, really, really nice piece of art. Um, and the last one to to finish off my top three, my top choice, and this one um, raised quite a bit of discussion. With you know what are we going to see some new models you know what on earth is going on with this cover? It's the Adeptus Mechanicus 40k 9th edition Codex cover 
Because it, not only does it look pretty glorious, but is that a fabricated general in the middle? Have we seen one of those before? It looks epic. All the other different things going around him, all the Sakatari. Um, there's so much going on in this imagery. And um, it's also, when you think of like Warhammer cover art and box arts, a lot of the time there's lots of battles going on. There's no actual battle going on here. It's just like a, like a broad spectrum of the different variants of the Adeptus Mechanicus. And I just, just checking emails. Really, really <laughs> checking emails. Um, it just really drew me um, to, to the book. And yeah, I think it's just, um, I think they've really got it spot on on these 9th edition books. Um, yeah, I think the 9th edition Codex art has been super. Mm. I think it's really, really good. Mm. Yeah, very, very strong. Um, contenders for, for best book covers um, Matt what about you well, what are your top three <laughs> you, you, you've gone for some fairly recent stuff I've gone back into the mists of time Dave mm. so my first one is from 1997 and that is Epic 40k so I don't know if, if, if you guys ever kind of got into Epic at all so no, I, I, never, I never played Epic um and it as a when i was getting into the hobby i was all about warhammer 40k and i didn't really want to go much smaller than that but now i really would like to play an epic game to be fair and i remember that cover it was quite primary color quite bold wasn't it like those there's lots of red the there's lots yeah. of yellow there's lots of stuff happening basically it's a load of orcs fighting a load of blood angels and there's lots of explosions and, and laser blasts and it's like um, titans and stompers in the background yeah, exactly. And it's just, it captures that, the, the epic scale of Epic 40k. And yeah, I just I just fell in love with that artwork and thought it looked amazing. So I had to include it in my top three. In second place, we have got a book from 1996. And that is the fourth edition Wood Elves book. So this had like an orange cover with like a, a priestess and then a very 80s looking war dancer with big hair and a yin and yang symbol on his chest and it's it's not arguably it's not a great piece of art but it is a very nostalgic cover for me yeah. because what else was the first army i ever did and it's the first warhammer army book i ever picked up mm. and yeah so I, I had to include it and it's just yeah it just very very nostalgic T- tugs on those heartstrings man exactly but Number one could only be one thing. And again, I think it's a nostalgic thing again. This is the Warhammer 40,000 second edition cover with blood angels, fighting orcs, lots of red, lots of yellow. I'm loving the primary colours on these, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, with that iconic blood angel with his big yellow power fist shooting a bolter into the head of an orc. That just that image is Warhammer 40,000 for me. I've got that model upstairs. Yes, so have I actually kicking around. So I think you guys, I think you guys started the hobby a little bit later than me, where that that was the first. I think me and my brother both got this from uh, Argos because back in the day you could get the 40k box <laughs> in Argos, and uh, he did the he did the Blood Angels, I did the Orcs, I had the cardboard dreadnought. It was all good. So yeah, <laughs> my number one choice is the 40k cover from 1993. Excellent you know, choice, we, Matt. We started in third edition, didn't we, Dave? Warhammer 40k third edition. Yeah, we did. And with this Black Templars cover art. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I had Ultramarines. Uh, I think I was two in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bit before my time. <laughs> Bit early to be building collecting miniatures, but only a little bit. 
Uh, well, there we go, Andy. Let's 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 go to your uh, your top three. What what's made let's, your list? Let's get this youngsters view on it. <laughs> uh, so my my third choice has got to be the fifth edition Blood Angels Codex. So this came out basically when I was getting um, back into the hobby, roughly around the same time our local games workshop opened, and I remember sort of saving my quote unquote pocket money. Um, and buying, um, you know, a, a unit here and there and just like building gradually up. And the thing that I love about this artwork is obviously it shows a Blood Angel on the front cover, you know, red armor, silver bolter. He's firing away. You, you, you've got a Space Marine captain in the background. You've got some Grunnery Guard in the background. And it really shows you the, the different flavors of the Blood Angels. And for me, when I was getting back into the hobby, I quite quickly fell in love with the Blood Angels. And um, when you're trying to think about paint schemes and stuff like that, I literally just looked at the front cover and thought to myself, OK, red armor. Yeah, I can do that. Silver gun, bolt gun. Yeah, I can do that. And for me, it's one of those artworks that's always been it's always motivated me to to keep it simple, to do a paint scheme that is fun and enjoyable for me and, and try not to overcomplicate it. So the, the artwork, um, like Matt was saying, it, for nostalgia, uh, for me, it, it really comes back to that piece of artwork. And again, it just, it, it, it reminds me to enjoy the hobby. So it, the image for me, that, that fifth edition codex is, is fantastic. Um, my second uh, choice is a piece of artwork I picked up at a games day I think it was um, I think it was games day it was one of these Warhammer days up at Warhammer World and they had a piece of artwork which had Archeon coming out of a realm gate with tons of Varangard absolutely tons of Varangard and just seeing that I could just imagine being someone in their way and just thinking to myself, I am nothing more than a roadblock to this army. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, seeing that, I, I was like, OK, that, that is chaos. That really gives you a sense of Age of Sigma that, you know, chaos is a force to be reckoned with. You know, they, at one point they've conquered all of the mortal realms. And and this feels that piece of artwork felt like it was a resurgence of chaos, you know, something to fear. Um that and it's always made me want to to do um, an Archeon Varangard list. Um, so yeah, that was a really cool piece of artwork. Um, any any time I consider doing an Archeon Varangard list, I just remind myself that I hate Archeon and all that he stands for <laughs> and what he's done for Warcrusher. I mean, it's and fair. Then I it's a fair point. Off, um, the idea of doing that army. Uh, I'll have to get another one painted up then, Dave, and then you can fight two of them. <laughs> no thanks I'd rather put the hobby I think <laughs> um, but my first choice my first choice is is my my true love of of 40k and it's the fifth edition Chaos Space Marine Codex so I'm a huge Chaos fanboy I've, I've, I've tried to do multiple Chaos armies over the years and I always I always get about three quarters of the way through the army and then I, and then I just burn out but seeing the new 
the newer Chaos Space Marines coming out, you know, like the Havocs, um, the Chaos Terminators and the, the Chaos Space Marines that only came out, was it last year or the year before, I think it was? It's like relatively recently. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing all those sort of come out has really made me fall in love with Chaos Space Marines again. And going back to the fifth edition um, Chaos Codex cover, you know, you, you've got a Terminator, you've got a Chaos Space Marine with a power fist raised in the air, shouting a war cry, and they're painted up like Black Legion. And for me, again, a bit of nostalgia. It, it just reminds me of all of those Chaos Armies that I've that I've tried to do. Um, and, yeah, looking at them, I mean, uh, going into next year, one of the armies that I really want to focus on is, is just Chaos Space Marines in general. And, yeah, looking at this... <coughs> looking at this uh, artwork just reminds me of all the the different times um in in my life where I've sort of looked at Chaos Space Marines and gone they they look so cool they look so epic and yeah the the artwork for me was yeah I I love it absolutely love it excellent yeah some really really emotional choices there Randy very very emotional choices I'm worried I'm worried about the level of emotion he shows for chaos that's concerning the other black Templar well hopefully next year it will concern you a lot more (laughs) (laughs) so that just leaves you Jay what what is your top three what's made your list so honourable mention before I start to the black Templars limited edition codex the third edition 40k artwork I mean just seeing it again in front of me being able to look at it again all the detail. I mean, there's a Black Temple on the background wearing white armor with a plasma cannon. They've got like yellow guns on some of the um, Terminators. There's a guy with like a wolf pelt hanging off his um, uh, uh, um, belt there. It's, um, oh man, so cool, so cool. They don't make artwork like that anymore. Um, but my number three choice is um, a recent one Warhammer Quest Curse City. Um, so this had like almost like it was hand drawn. Um, um and um like red and white and black sort of that was the palette that they used and you've got the different characters on the front uh you've got is it the radical beast sort of in the background it's almost like a sort of a an old sort of novel front cover thing um i think it's really really almost cool. like some red and black kevin chin artwork jay yeah it's like like that yeah it's it, it's kevin chin inspired artwork for sure um you guys <laughs> um, so that was my number three choice um, my number two choice is um, the box art for Spaceship Battles in the 41st Millennium, Battlefleet Gothic. You've got basically um, a, a big Imperial um, battleship, I think it's a battleship or a cruiser, bursting out of like, what looks like a big warp rift with uh, all of its uh, attendant escorts and light cruisers. You've got chaos cruisers and escorts in the background and in the foreground firing at it. You've got torpedoes that have just been launched. There's all lights flashing off the hull, explosions everywhere, tendrils. Um, oh, man, it's so, so cool. I, I can't wait for them to redo Battlefleet Gothic. Um, yeah, that's really, really cool. And just you just get a real good impression of the size of these, like, kilometer-long spaceships. Um, so that was my second choice. My third choice was pretty much the first box of warhammer i ever bought which was the uh craft world eldar um battle force i think it was like 40 pounds at the time you got an eldar falcon in there a viper some eldar guardians and i think you got three jet bikes as well um and some of those old 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 plastic trees but the artwork um is i don't know it's it's a bit unusual compared to other warhammer artwork i think because it is i know it's going to sound a bit 
you know daft it's very alien but it is very alien it, it it's almost like an 80s style piece of artwork with the really sharp sort of um um blade and weapons and things and all these like nice like neon lights reflecting off the surface of like the armor and the gems and you've got this really cool sort of representation of the elder architecture in the background and then there's like silhouettes of farseers and there's even like a a um, Dire Avenger or, or um, Aspect War of a Spear, which we never actually got a model for uh, until very, very recently, a lot lot later than this uh, uh, sort of Codex box art cover. Um, so, yeah, so they're my top three choices. Excellent. Some very, very cool choices. There. I wish I could remember all these old pieces of artwork and, like, where they're from and stuff. That's why I kept it all quite recent because um, my memory is absolutely shocking. But I have had a sneaky peek at the community top three picks, which we're going to move on to next. And there's some excellent ones here. So we'll be right back. So it is time for the community top three picks. I'm <laughs> going to start over on Facebook because it is Facebook is still a thing uh, after last week's... Um, well, there was like an apocalypse, wasn't there? If you looked at some of the comments online, uh, but it's back. Uh, and David Anderson has taken advantage of this with his with his top three. His third choice is the Storm of Chaos from way back when in the old world, Archeon looming over Volton. That was a really epic piece of art. I do remember that. That was very very cool. Um, his second choice is the Beast of Chaos from I think Seventh Edition Warhammer, featuring the Beast Lord with great axe. And his top choice is a very recent one. The Age of Sigmar 3 core rules with Indrasta smashing face slash tentacles. Yeah. Um, I do like it. Um, I don't know if it's because the, the, the chaos is quite kind of generic chaos that I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was like one of my favourites, but it is quite impactful. It's, it's very colourful. It is a bit of a heart back to classic um covers um matt what do we have over on twitter so we have an absolute ton over on twitter so i'm going to hit as many as i can but apologies if i don't get to your one rob scott says epic 40k battlefleet gothic and codex eye of terror all had an awesome sense of scale yeah eye of terror was one i was looking at as well uh, with um abaddon like grasping Cager in his Tower yeah. of Horus. Yeah, really cool. And I love the bottom of that cover as well, if I remember rightly. It's got a load of flames and you can see like the silhouettes of Chaos like Legionnaires look like marching towards you. Really cool. Yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, Average Paints has the third edition box set slash new Black Templars Limited, Nostalgia Overload. Uh, number two, the sixth edition Sisters Codex art drawn by Anna Steinbauer. And number three, the Imperial Knights Renegade box art. That was really cool. Uh, Anonymous Rex has the Cyphus Kane books for their cheesy Imperial propaganda. The <laughs> 204th edition Codex artwork and the new Admet Codex artwork. Uh, Mine says, Warhammer Fantasy 4th edition because you never forget your first. Number two, every single Codex cover from 4th edition. And three, the 9th edition Dark Angels cover. Yep. Tommy Butter says, dig a knob. Uh, Retcon Legion says Gorka Morka. Steve Bond has gone old school. He's gone very old school. We've got the Middle Earth role playing game, the Judge Dread role playing game, and Legacy of Eagles. This is some old Games Workshop products right there. <laughs> um, the Painter of Devils has said, This is very tough. Here's my selection. Now he's just given some images, so I'm going to have to work this out. It looks like we've got more time. We have got uh, Warhammer Siege. That was really cool. It's like a dwarf kind of um, 
forge with a load of orcs uh, invading it. And then finally, Realm of Chaos, the Lost and the Damned, with the big, great, unclean one on the front. Uh, Dread Pumpkin Mick also says the Mordheim art. Uh, Unnumbered Sun, the, the classic Black Templars third edition artwork. Battlebrush Studio says the Lost and the Damned, Hero Quest and Space Crusade. Uh, Silas Benderson says Mordheim, the Necromunda re-release and 40k third edition. Charles Alexander's got an interesting one. The Broken Realms box sets. So each of these had unique art on the front of them. Oh, and, right. uh, yeah. They put Kaiser Von Brecht's uh, watch as an example. That's really cool. Um, Marius Gators, for me, it's this. It tells you all you could possibly need to know. Utterly awesome. It is White Dwarf Magazine 168. And it is a very red looking blood angel. Uh, with with a... a looks like a reaver titan behind his shoulder and then some very dramatic looking dead space marines all over the floor absolutely old school image going on there <laughs> uh, on a similar point of view uh marquee says the uh, warhammer 40,000 compilation magazine this is another old white dwarf one with a load of blood angels led by dante on the front of it there's some vintage artwork there uh, stephen green says the original sisters of battle uh codex the second edition Eldar one with the uh, Dire Avenger and some sweeping square hawks, whatever they're called. Yeah, I think there's actually a, a, an old Eldar uh, Exarch model in the same pose. I've seen people paint it up in the same sort of colour scheme. It's really nice, yeah. Yeah, and that's a really cool piece of artwork. And the uh, Dark Millennium cover, that was that's a throwback. So if you don't know, Dark Millennium was an expansion for second edition 40k with more vehicle rules and psycho rules. And the cover of that was a uh, it was uh, Dark Angels with a white armored Terminator on the front of it, Death Deathwing. Yeah, very cool. Um, Kel says this is a classic. The Rogue Trader cover with the um, uh, not Imperial Fists, Crimson Fists on the front of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dan Morrison says Renegades, and we've got Dark Millennium, and uh, Khan the Betrayer looking all awesome. Tronham's got a different angle with Hero Quest, Hero Quest Keller's Keep, and Hero Quest Return of the Witch Lord. All very stylistic arts. Um, Philip Conniger says Mordheim. Hobby Vices says Battle Masters. Uh, Bo says Sisters of Battle, the fifth edition Lizardman book, and the seventh edition Vampire Camps book. Planet Oldhammer says Space Marine, which was the precursor to Epic. Um, Space Marine Legion, which was the box that contained those Space Marines for Epic, and the Imperial Guard box from about a gazillion years ago. So, yeah, loads and loads and loads of chatters on there. Unfortunately, I can't cover them all today, but uh, some really, really cool stuff. Some of you guys must have some amazing memories um, <laughs> of some of these games. Because looking through the images on Twitter, some of them are absolutely epic. So, so cool. I, I really hope they do, like you say, Jay, and do more of these limited edition old covers for the for the latest books. Yeah, um, I'd like to I think that. that'd be ace. I think they'd sell more of them. Yep. Um, personally but we'll have to wait and see uh, that leaves us Matt with the big question of what is next week's top 3 well next week we've got a new edition of Warhammer Underworlds coming out so this time we want to know your top 3 Warhammer Underworlds warbands of all time of all oh. times so you can get your choices in via social media early 
at Spruce and Brews over on Twitter or head over to facebook.com forward slash forward slash Spruce and Brews. Or alternatively, on Sunday or Monday, we'll pop a post up asking for your top threes. Just simply reply to it with your choices and we'll read out as many as we can on next week's show. And that brings this week's episode to a close. So I think Matt and Jay, especially, you've got quite a bit of pitting ahead of you guys um, ready for this next tournament. Um, so uh, so good luck with that. Um, we'll be back again next week with more hobby content. Until then, have a great week of hobby and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruceandbrews. Brews.